Welcome back to Musings on Faith and our special podcast series about Holy Week observances. I am Marianne DeSantis, a parishioner at St. George and your host. In this series, I've been talking with the Reverend Ed Bartle, Associate Rector at St. George, about the importance and meaning of Holy Week observances. We covered Palm Sunday and Tenebrae earlier, and today we're going to talk a little more about Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, two very important Holy Week observances in the Christian calendar. Father Ed, I believe Monday Thursday is the reason Eucharist is so important to us Episcopalians because it commemorates the Last Supper of Jesus Christ with the Apostles. What can you tell us about Monday, Monday Thursday? Thursday? Well, I'm going to tell you what our priest handbook tells us about Monday Thursday, just to get this thing started. Uh, the liturgy of this evening, and that being uh, Monday Thursday, uh, conveys the strength of the solemnity and the restraint so that the actions may speak for themselves. So what the book is telling us, what my manual is telling us, is that Maundy Thursday is the beginning of the sacred three days of the celebration of the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. It initiates a time of watching, waiting, and contemplating as we enter into the commemoration of the mystery of our redemption. And, and so on Maundy Thursday, it's a very... Um, enlightening service is a very special service and uh, it it uh, is one of my favorite services but in the Monday Thursday again as being represented of the Last Supper um, and the preparation for Christ being um, turned over to the Jewish authorities and we at one point during the service, we do what's called a stripping of the alt- of the altar. In other words, everything up in the sanctuary is removed and taken away from the, from the uh, from the sanctuary to indicate the bareness. Everything is gone. Everything is empty, and the priest will come out then with a sponge and water and wash down the altar. Um, we also on Maundy Thursday traditionally would do a foot washing. Um, to again represent the foot washing that Christ did, and that would be handled during the, um, the reading of the Psalm, I think Psalm 51. But um, it's it's a very, like I said, an, an enlightening uh, service. It includes reading from Scripture. It includes the washing of the feet. It includes uh, confession. It includes communion. Uh, and then we set up a reserve altar or altar of repose where uh, the uh, sacraments that have not been consumed may be placed on the altar. Of, and mm-hmm. then a watch is set up from about 9 o'clock after the Monday night Thursday service. A watch is set up from about 9 o'clock until 8 o'clock the following morning with the idea there that represents Gethsemane. And when Christ said, can you spend one hour and watch? And and so we set up one-hour watches where somebody um, or the congregation will take turns sitting at the altar of repose and sitting with Jesus as he labors over uh, what's about to become, what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. It seems like I, I remember it being a very solemn service at the end. Very solemn. Very, the, the, the lights go down. And everybody leaves quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
quietly, no, no conversation, no fanfare, no post-communion or post-hymns. Uh, Everybody leaves in silence. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to remain in silence, actually. Right, right. In fact, I was just going to lead into and say that that solemnity uh, extends then to Good Friday. Sure. And I think of Good Friday as almost as important as Easter in the Episcopal calendar, isn't it? Is that, would you say that's true? Well, sure. Uh, Good Friday is one of the few days that uh, we really encourage fasting. Um, and, you know, we look at Christ spending three hours in the cross. We we look at it from noon to three. And, and so we will do um, a service that runs from 12 to 3 which would include things like the last seven words. We would be um, meditations on the last seven words that Christ offered from the cross. Um, it would include um, veneration of the cross, possibly, which means that, that a wooden cross would be placed in the chancel or in the nave of the church, and um, the priest venerate the church, the, the cross, and then the people or ask if they anyone that wants to do it. And that, that just means coming to the cross and kneeling before the cross. Uh, we would kiss the feet of the Christ and, and offer up prayers. Um, and we, then we would do the stations of the cross also. Right. Tell me, I know in our uh, Book of Common Prayer that we talk about uh, John's version in the Gospel. is the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And I know you had t- said you wanted to... Uh, read one of the other uh, uh, gospels. Yeah, just to give you, I'll give you a comparison. The other three with, um, gospels, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, all basically say the same thing after uh, the death of Christ on the cross. When, and they say the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died and said, surely this was a man this man was the son of God. And so those, those um, gospelers are, are giving you um, play-by-play of what happened at the crucifixion. Uh, they're not offering any uh, advice or anything other than saying, this is what happened to Christ. And John, on the other hand, at the end, well, at least in uh, the 20th chapter of his, his gospel, he says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ the son of, is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what John is doing, John is being more um, um, theological. He, he's trying to make a point. His whole gospel is going in that direction that Jesus came here for a specific reason and here's what it is and the idea is your salvation. Uh, and the other reason that they are probably the main reason that the the experts want to say that John was um, uh, why his gospel is the only one read in Good Friday is because John was a witness to the crucifixion. He was actually there. It was a first-hand account. Yeah. So we we know it was true. Yeah. 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 Because he was there. He saw it. Firsthand. Okay. Tell me again about the curtain being ripped. We talked about that earlier, and you told me something I didn't know. Uh, uh, it, was, it was ripped from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top. Yeah, I think it's significant that it was ripped from the top to the bottom, because I think normally 
if you were to witness something being torn, um, it would you would start from the bottom and, and rip it up. And that's where the term rip up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, John, the, the scripture is telling us, excuse me, specifically that it was ripped from the top to the bottom, which tells me that it was a heavenly rip. That the, 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 you see, the curtain in the temple separated everybody from the Holy of Holies. Only the, the high priest, only once a year, could go into the Holy of Holies. And so you never saw what was behind that curtain. And this, the symbolism, the significance of this is when, when heaven ripped that curtain open, it gave the people access to the Holy of Holies, okay. gave it to God. Yeah. Now you can see God in action. Right. You know, right. Um, in, the, in the early churches, and even in Catholic churches, everything was, uh, the altar faced east, and you always had the priest, all you saw was the back of his head. In my case, that wouldn't be very enlightening. <laughs> um, and then back several, seven, uh, 60, 70 years ago, we turned everything around, yeah. so now that you're facing the people, so that they can see what you're doing. And I kind of see that there maybe there's some relevance there. To to be to be able to see. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will be back. Uh, I'll be back to talk to you about um, Holy Week as a whole and Easter Sunday. Okay. So thank you so much for your time today. And thank My you, list and thank you, listeners, for giving us your time today. Please subscribe to Musings on Faith and leave us a voice comment by clicking on the link at the bottom of this podcast description. You may also write us at musingsonfaith at gmail.com. You can also keep up with St. George Episcopal Church on Facebook and Instagram.